sure will welcome to another podcast of uncorked i am steph here with two of my new favorite friends tash and ed the owners of bread my new favorite bakery in whistler and covid brought me to whistler full-time and hot diggity you have been a covid staple and a covid favorite so i am so pumped that we get to talk about life beyond and behind the bakery today welcome to the show Oh, thank you, Steph. That's a really nice introduction. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so I only see Ed from afar in the back of the bakery, cranking out sourdough. And it blows my brains because I tried to make sourdough during COVID one loaf a week, and I was wildly unsuccessful. And we'll make sure that social handles are included. Your social game of watching you bake bread is art. It's gorgeous. Thank you. It takes a lot of work. I mean, even on Sunday, I sort of turned around. My base assistant, Flynn, has been with us from day one. And it's just the two of us baking. And I said to him, you just stand back and look how much stuff we've produced. Because yeah. even for me, I've worked in kitchens all my life. It's quite, you know, amazing how much we can produce. Everything, 100%, like made and baked in Creekside. Yeah, that's incredible. Bake fresh every morning. There's nothing baked the day before. Yeah, it's not like we're holding back and we're topping that up. It's from zero to the shelves full. Yeah. Plus backup shelves as well. That's incredible. So you opened the doors at 7.30, is that right? We did before COVID. Uh, Uh, It used to be 7.30 till five, five days a week. And then when we had to shut the doors for COVID, like the lockdown. um, Yeah back in March and we were just doing it once a week Ed and I with no staff and then when we reopened we only had half the team that we had initially had so we decided to run it with a skeleton team and reduce the days and hours a little Mm. bit so now we're open four days a week nine till three and the way things are going at the moment there's so many unpredictable scenarios that we're just kind of keeping it going like that for now but of course, we want to be open more days. We want to be open longer hours if there's demand for it. But it's such a weird time to be operating that this is working for us right now. Well, I just want to know what time the baker has to get to the <laughs> shop if there's fresh bread out of the oven when we are in line. Well, you've made sourdough, so you kind of know that you're making it the day before the actual dough it goes in the fridge. So that actually helps us because it means we're always working a day ahead. But for things like the cinnamon buns and things, we found we make the dough the day before because it's sourdough. And then we roll them in the morning. So like I mentioned, Flynn, my right-hand man, he gets there at 4 a.m. Yeah. And I get there between 5 and 6 because I work then until 6 or 7 p.m. So he has an early start, but it works well because then he finishes at between midday and 1 p.m. So he can go off and have the afternoon to snowboard or go biking so it works really well for him and he's you know an early bird he's happy to get in there and start rolling the cinnamon buns and baking cookies and then I'll come in and and start on the store bread and rolling baguettes and things like that so I just need to declare that 
you're the lazy baker that starts between uh, five well, and six a.m. You know, like yeah. a but late it's, it's start. Not how early? <laughs> if Ed was finishing at like one p.m., it would be fine for him to start at four. But Ed will get there at between five and six a.m., depending on what he has to do, and then he'll finish at about seven p.m. So you're it's talking phenomenal. like a twelve to fourteen hour day. No, it's so, um, it's I. That's the morning and the evening and everything in between yeah. shift. It's and Tash always like makes fun of me of wearing. Birkenstock sandals in the bakery. No, but they've been my savior. Like, yes. not to like you know promo on your podcast, but Birkenstocks yes. have saved my life. <laughs> Absolutely, they allow you to ski on the one day that you're not baking bread, or your yeah. feet would be busted. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And I'll tell you, I have stood in line for a long time to follow COVID rules, and I was like. Every minute is worth it. I am standing Aww. in this line waiting for Thank my treats. You. And by the time I get to the front of the line, I only want to buy more things. And I'm like, whatever oh. <laughs> is available, I'm getting it. And I think that these are the things that we forget that somebody showed up at four o'clock in the morning to start the production for the opportunity of us to stand in line. And mm -hmm. it's really, really special. And part of the Uncorked podcast that I love, and the reason I love having these conversations is. You can tell by your accents that you weren't born in Whistler. Really? You brought something fun with you. I thought we had you. a local accent. <laughs> yeah, you do sound like a local. <laughs> this is the joke, isn't it? That the local accent is Australian. And a lot of people think that we're Australian. But actually. like Tash said, we, we brought the British to British Columbia. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was a local until I realized that no one talks like me here. No, <laughs> no, <you're> Canadian. <laughs> no, actually, um, it's been such a pleasant surprise because in the summertime we had a line outside and we were like, okay, it's sunny, people are outside, the line's fine now. But what's going to happen when we're in minus temperatures? Are people going to want to wait outside the bakery? Mm -hmm. And actually, that was one of our worries um, opening in the winter, but pleasantly surprised that yes. everyone's waiting outside yes. for the ski line like the ski line's really long now much longer than you could ever imagine because of the distancing and yeah people are equally as happy to wait in the ski line as they are to come in the bread shop so yep. that's just been an amazing revelation because I didn't know if people would yeah but they are so. well I definitely have an allergic reaction to lines and if I go elsewhere and there's a line I just leave you know I stood in line at the post office over the holiday and was like okay like I want to send these things out I must stand in line and I thought if I got to your shop early that there wouldn't be a line but nope there's a line and then I thought if I came midday there wouldn't be a line nope there's still a line and so it's part of the beauty and I have a little dog as everyone knows that I'm obsessed with and I bring Bernie and people want to hold my dog and yeah. it's so great. The first time somebody, some stranger held my dog outside yeah. because I tried to bring my dog into a bakery and you're like, please. And you bought them a latte and it was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's really, it's community and that's what you're yeah. creating in a really, really special way. And that's my point in sharing that lines are actually a sign of something really, really beautiful. And yet it wasn't always this way. Creekside didn't have a bakery two years ago and nor were the two of you running a bakery. And I love the story that you've come from something quite different. You came to Whistler and how was a bakery born? So I've sort of, you, you said at the beginning of the podcast, you wanted to hear things a bit different that we haven't shared. So some of the listeners might know that I've obviously sure. got a chef background and I worked at Alta Bistro in the village for five and a half years. And that's where bread started. 
I was lucky enough that I already had experience in making bread and sourdough previous to coming to Whistler and it always enjoyed the process. But like you said, never thought in my dreams of opening a bakery, definitely a restaurant. That's why I started at Alta Bistro. It was a family run business that wasn't like a huge company like Araxi or something. And I was lucky enough that they allowed me to rent the kitchen there and start bread, just selling to the locals all through Facebook. So very grassroots, very organic and just grew word of mouth. And like you said, you didn't even know there was a bakery in, in Whistler. People didn't know that I was selling bread at Alta Bistro. The Peak, the local newspaper ran an article, the best bread in town that no one knows about. Yeah. Because it literally was like, if you had a friend, and really the target market was young mums because mm. they met up and they spoke to each other when they were picking up the kids. A few of our friends, a few people that we went to yoga with, stuff like that. And then naturally, they just started saying, you should open a shop because there's no one doing this or there's a few people, but it's not, you know, really like specializing in what you do. Yeah. And then we were going through our vegan journey ourselves. And Natasha was like, I'm fully on board, but it has to be 100% vegan. And I was more than open and up for it. Yeah. Well, I, I'd worked in um, like a vegan cafe before and I wanted to open my own type of thing like that was kind of a dream at that time though because I didn't think I had you know the resources or you know I knew how much setting up a restaurant cost and how much was involved how much hard work because Ed had been in the industry for so long but then when the community was saying to him you you need to open a bread shop this is ridiculous I can't get on the schedule for Thursdays like you're fully booked because there was only a limited capacity he could make before he had to start his sous chef prep job and then you know run service in the evenings it was such a crazy time so then we just kind of had this like revelation like why don't we open a like a vegan bakery together and I kind of like had this lovely dream of it be like this community place but the reality is that we couldn't really afford to take on a huge lease and so it's always been quite a small micro bakery but the funny thing is that COVID the lockdown meant that we started to build a lot better rapport with our local customers and I feel like we've kind of built a bit of a bread community anyway people see each other outside in the line now or people kind of share what they're using our bread for on Instagram and follow each other and and so we've kind of built it up in in a different way than I I think I think it helps because of COVID we do contact tracing and we've done that from the start because we feel and it's been proven that's a really good way of sort of preventing the spread and being able to let your customers know if there is sort of an outbreak. So because we take a first name, the regulars, we can greet them with their name, which is always nice. And that's, again, how Bread started. Because I was I had 50 regular customers, it was a little game I would play to try and remember everyone's names. They'd mm. come in. And the still, we look back on the original book where we would take the pre-orders, no prepayment, it was all done on trust. And there's customers that still come to us once a week now that have been for the last four years, which is quite incredible. It was like we ran it for almost two years at the restaurant. And then we took a year break finding the space, selling our house in the UK, which was quite run down. So we were like all in. We were like, we need to borrow a lot of money. But if we put up our personal money, we're more likely, you know, lenders would be like, well, they're serious because they're investing all this. So I think that's what's driven us to really sort of motivate us and do the best job that we can, because 
we have nothing. <laughs> we've, we've sold it all. So yeah. we're, it's like a poker game. We're all in. You're all in. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this beautiful podcast just last week and they said, passion is for losers. Obsession is for entrepreneurs. And I like to oh, think <laughs> obsession is really for winners and you can define what a winner is. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, some days you might feel like you're winning and some days you might not feel like you're winning. But <laughs> I do think we get hung up on passion and we think, you know, passion and purpose and what is my passion and what is my purpose? Yeah. And I'm like, scratch that record. I just want to know what you're obsessed with, what you can't mm-hmm. imagine not doing in your life. And of course, going all in is a big deal going all in. I mean, who would have known a year after starting your business, you'd be in a pandemic situation, mm-hmm. all of these things. And it just feels like, well, when you're in, there's no other way. It's like when you're surfing, you're, you're in the ocean, you've, you're there for it. Mm-hmm. And the way Tash, you just said it, you know, you're like, let's start a bakery. I'm like, I can't help but ask, was there any trepidation? Was there any moment of like, what the heck are we doing? I'm a school teacher. <laughs> Do I really <laughs> want to go start a bakery um, with my husband? Well, I kind of have this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I've always to me, and I'm totally biased, but to me, Ed's like the best chef in the world. So wow. I have full faith in like anything that he would, and his family agree as well, like anything yeah. Ed would start because we've seen him run other people's restaurants successfully and make their companies money. And yeah. um, and so we know that he's capable of doing it. And so for me to go into business and have Ed in the kitchen, I'm like, hell yeah, like yeah. an idiot not to really. But then as far as like taking a risk and jumping in, we had a mentor in the early stages that was kind of matched to us by a loan company. And he said to us, are you ready to lose everything? Mm. And I just kind of said, well, yeah, because you're born with nothing and you die with nothing and everything else in in between is just a roll of the dice, really. And albeit calculated risk, of course, you always try to minimise any danger. But that's what life is isn't it if you're, if you're not doing something that scares you then you're not really living and I think that's the sort of mentality people in Whistler have mm. is you know drop cliffs not bombs and you know just kind of live life to the max and people are a lot more extreme than I am like I won't go down your mountain biking at all um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll start a bakery <laughs> so there's different oh, ways to have that yeah kind of mentality but that's how I kind of feel about it magic so we started this off with timing and just the hours that the bakery is open. And it's not that this is about my journey of waiting in line or your bakery, but I think the first time I came in, it was two hours after you were meant to be closed. Oh yeah. And you had only a few things left. And yeah. I was like, are you still open? And you were like, well, we closed yeah. two hours ago and you were still finishing. There was still a lineup that you were working through. Yeah. In, you've still got you stuff. Still, we'll yeah. keep going. Yeah. Yes. We want to sell out with zero food waste. Zero. So we'll, just, oh. we'll just keep the door open, but we just say nine till three-ish. Ish. I love it. Nine to three-ish. <laughs> I mean, in the vein of a conversation that you know isn't as relevant so you have a beautiful social presence you're in conversation you care so deeply about being plant-based and helping us be plant-based for folks that might not be in Whistler your bakery is curated with so many wonderful you have the best little delights to if we're allowed to one day sit on your shelves but I want to know how you're replenishing yourself like how do you restore yourself how does this not become monotony and how do you keep the obsession alive well, I mean, we look out the window now and it's like we've got we're very lucky we're living Creekside. We work in Creekside. So there's no real commute. We have a three minute walk to work. 
Amazing. So it's very easy if we need to like sourdough, it's very high maintenance. So even on a day off, I'd have to pop in and feed the, the girls a couple of times. We've got two ladies, even though one is called Stan Rye after the famous skier. So I don't know, I think living in Whistler rather than like living in a city or somewhere like that, it's so easy just to access the outdoors and nature. Mm. I think for anyone, they agree. If you go for a walk or you're in a forest or on a mountain, it kind of rejuvenates you mm-hmm. and gives you more energy. And for me, I think about sourdough and baking and everything so much. But when I'm on my bike or snowboarding, it's like meditation. You're mm-hmm. so focused on the activity you're doing. It kind of like allows room in your, your brain. Mm-hmm. And then when I come back from something like that, I'm more creative. Yes. Because you haven't just been like overrun. And it is difficult at the moment because we're being very strict. We're not socializing with any friends or mm-hmm. seeing anyone because the business has to come first. If we mm-hmm. get ill, we don't want to shut down the shop at all for the community because mm-hmm. it is a staple for a lot of people. And like yes. I said, not just for the bread, but to come in and have that five minutes, few minutes engagement with us and the team that they know. We have a lot of sort of elderly locals, you know, maybe that's their one sort of interaction for the day. Mm-hmm. So we take it quite serious mm-hmm. of making sure that we can stay open. But I think it's also communication. We always drive that with our staff and Tash and I always communicate with each other how we're feeling, if we're feeling stressed or overrun or the way the direction the business is going. So um, it gets a lot of room to be creative. And the sourdough definitely keeps him on his feet as well. And then for me, it's like I manage the sales side of the business. So I'm basically selling bread or you could say I'm selling happiness. Because (laughs) when you come into a bakery, you're buying either a treat or like bread. But freshly baked bread is a treat that you can't get in the local supermarket. You come in and you can smell everything being baked and you take it home and it's still warm people walk out holding the bread like it's a baby and they pick up the baguettes and they go oh still warm and that is something that you can't walk into many shops and get that same like instant feeling and it's and it's so great because it's you know food it's not like you're selling stuff that people don't need Mm -hmm. creating like toxic pollution or whatever it's Mm -hmm. you know you're feeding people and you're making happy so for me that is what I get out of it I mean, you just gave me goosebumps because I think that homemade is my love language. And if I will show you love, I want to make you something. And Mm. I will tell you that I come in now and buy multiple loaves of bread just to take and give to people (laughs) where, because I think like, this is love and, Mm -hmm. and I am buying, as you say, happiness in a bag. And it's, so beautiful it's really special for people that might not be local to Whistler right now or not local to Whistler to be able to come in and see the two of you baking Ed you and your sidekick to see you baking at any hour just as ferociously as (laughs) every time I come in and then to your point you know people handle my loaves with such care and each gets wrapped in their you know their own little brown paper bag and then I can't wait to go and give Ed's bread to someone and my (laughs) puppy's name is Bernie and so I always sign the paper bags Ed's bread love Bernie and it just feels like you know 
bread from Bernie. Perfect Aww. alliteration. No, it's, it's, it is really nice. We have a lady that comes in. I think she buys her kids, teachers bread just yes. because they're obviously doing such a good job. So it is that, that sort of gift, you know, yes. that you can keep giving. And then on the rare occasion that we do have leftover baked goods on like a Sunday, we like to donate it to the hospital or to the firefighters or something like that. And they love it. They, you know, they go in and they can share it and it avoids food waste. That's kind of nice as well. We try to, like Tash said, keep it as, you know, little waste as possible. It's so special is the whole point. I mean, you care obviously so deeply that it's made with love. It's made with care. You get to witness this. And I just love that you're a staple in what could be a small little community. And as we know, it fluctuates as thousands of people do come to visit this mountain town that we now call home. Before we run out of time, I did want to touch on the fact that if you actually Google Ed's Bread, you are a top 10 vegan bakery in the world. Did you know that? Wow. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, hot diggity, you are a vegan worldwide bakery. I'm going to send you the link and make sure the link is in the show notes. Okay. And I want to know what it means to you to be a plant-based bakery and why having a plant-based bakery was so important because you do have delicious coffee. And Mm. what I love is that you have every milk alternative for me. So I get to, you know, have a different cappuccino every time. Well, I guess for us, though, we might have gone vegan for health reasons or whatever, like most people that are vegan, eventually you come to this point where you realize that being vegan, and there is some controversy here because there are some foods that are are branded quite bad like avocados and almonds but generally speaking if you follow a whole foods plant-based diet and we we like to eat as locally as we can and seasonally as well which is what the bakery's whole concept is then you are doing the best you can for your health but also the environment and the animals and as we know these things need to be taken care of and more than ever right now And as vegan people living our own little vegan lives, we can't profit from animal or human or environmental exploitation. Like it's just everything we're against. And so we have to have a vegan bakery. There's no other bakery we can have really. Otherwise we wouldn't get out of bed at 5 a.m. for it every day and be as passionate about it. So for us, it's just kind of like, this is our business. This is our life. This is our livelihood. This is how we live our lives. not pushing it on people, but just saying, we think it's amazing living like this and eating like this. And then people come in from all walks of life and they say things like, this carrot cake is the best cake I've ever had. Ever. <laughs> Thank you. So it's like, yes, this is how mm-hmm. good it can be. It, yeah, it doesn't exactly. need to have all these animal products in that are taking up lots of water and land resources, mm-hmm. bad for your health, bad for the um, animals, of course. So We just showed people in a very nice way how great vegan food can be in the hope that more people make vegan choices. We're not looking for people to put their hand up and say, I am vegan, because Mm. that's just, you know, giving yourself a label and who wants Mm. to be categorized or pigeonholed in any way. You want Mm -hmm. to be free, free to choose what you want to do. But if we can help people make plant-based choices, we believe they're better choices for, for many reasons. So that's why it's, you know, so passionate for us. I love it. I have two questions and I want both of you to answer both of these questions. The first one is who or what currently inspires you these days? Doug Evans. Yeah, we talked about Doug Evans. (laughs) (laughs) Because he is such a passionate man when it comes to sprouting and nutrition and plant-based living. 
that when you interact with him, whether it's on a podcast or on an Instagram live chat uh, or read his book, like it's infectious. And yes. that's the kind of passion that everybody needs in their life yes. to find. So Doug Evans has been a big inspiration right now. I would yeah. say there's a couple of brothers in Ireland called the Happy Pair. Mm. They're very inspiring for both of us. They started a small like fruit and veg stall and now they own like vegan cafes in Ireland and they're running like vegan online cookery classes. And again, it's they're so upbeat, their energy. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's inspirational. The busier you are, it drives you to be even busier and take on more things. Mm-hmm. But I think if you you love what you do, mm-hmm. then it doesn't feel like work really. Mm-hmm. So yeah. from an outsider's point of view, they're like, when do you stop? Yeah. Like our staff are like, oh, what are you doing your days off? Oh, we've got two podcasts. We're doing this and this. We've got to write this contract. And they're like, when are you going to just relax? And we're like, well, we'll fit it in at yeah. some point. But, but at the same point, when you're working 12, 14 hours, it's hard to do that on a work day. I love it. So definitely the, those guys. And then for me, I'm quite lucky. Like I sort of look after more of the social media with Instagram and I enjoy taking photos is the connection that I have now more than ever with these young, like, you know, new sourdough bakers, amateur sourdough bakers that are asking questions constantly, giving us feedback saying, wow, that tutorial that you posted was really helpful. I've watched it five times. Yeah. And for me, that's like, I always try and comment to people and message them back. I'm not sort of like, oh, I don't have time for that. I'll always put time aside each day to check in. And then other bakers that inspire me, I get that same respect and they message me and say, if I've got a question, how did you bake that? What temperature, what flour did you use? So I think the community within Instagram is is really strong right now. And it's also given people an appreciation of the craft and how hard it is. Like oh you, said, you know, you get these people, they make one, two loaves a week. I'm making 150 to 200 a day. Oh so, God. you know, to, to maintain that sort of, you know, strict schedule and things, it's a lot to think about. And my brother's just got into it. So I'm like amazed because now I'm talking to him as well. So yeah, that's pretty fun. Oh, my word. I am vibrating. Doug Evans is a very unique critter onto himself, as we know. And as you said, you know, it's like his passion emulates or these people, you know, the baking conversation, you just don't want it to stop. I want to ask you how you feed your mother and what you feed your mother and what temperature the water is that you feed your mother. (laughs) And it's not passion. It's total obsession. And I am addicted in the best way possible because Mm -hmm. I can't wait for bread to come out of the oven that one day will rise and look beautiful. And I'm not there yet. And I'm rather I'm in line at your bakery. And I think that's how it should be. (laughs) Patience. It will come and it will be even more special when it does because we've had all these failures. Trust me, I've had plenty of failures. (laughs) So beautiful. Well, the final question we wrap every podcast in Uncorked is what is currently making your heart beat faster? And because we have the pleasure of having both of you on, I feel like you both must answer what is making your heart beat faster in this moment. I can say snowboarding. Okay, we came here to snowboard yeah. to Whistler for six months. Yeah. And we went snowboarding this morning. And yeah. just every time we managed to go over to Symphony, which is in the the Alpine, it's the most beautiful area. Yeah. And I always have to, on a blue day, La Puba yeah. day, it's like it never gets boring. And it yeah. definitely makes my heart skip and yeah. makes me 
totally realize why I can call this home because mm. we've done a lot of traveling over the years to Australia and New Zealand and lived in a lot of places but Whistler definitely feels like home it's amazing yeah cool. I agree with Ed like the seasons change so much in Whistler there aren't many places you can live where you get four very defined seasons and we love to go snowboarding in the winter and then in the summertime we do a lot in spring we do hiking mm. and in the autumn we also do hiking but we go foraging for lots of mushrooms and we use them at the bakery as well and so it's so nice because whenever I get sad like oh winter's over spring's here then it's like oh spring's here and then I flip into that mode and yeah. you know the lakes bring another source of joy like I like a bit of kayaking as well in summer we go to Bowen Island kayak around the island and you know I just like the way that the activities are always changing and the seasons kind of keep that momentum going so you don't have to think about it it's just the seasons change so I kind of appreciate just being on the mountain today and looking at the alpine up at the symphony area and you just see like rolling mountains. And I was thinking, this is such a boulder field in the summer, but now it's so smooth for us to slide around on and play. So yeah, I just, I like this way seasons change and you can always find <laughs> activities. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm obsessed with foraging for mushrooms. And I didn't know that I could find such joy in looking at the dirt for yeah. some little treasure. And <laughs> it is like treasure hunting, isn't it? It is magic. And to yeah. your point, you know, the seasons change and I just sit and think what's growing under the snow right now, mm. because we're coming for it in six months, yeah. you know, and it's really special. So and everyone else gets depressed in October because the skiing shut down, the biking isn't open anymore. So everyone's kind of in that waiting for the snow and they're so sitting at home depressed doing jigsaw puzzles or something and or sitting on tinder probably more likely but um <laughs> they're all depressed and ed and i are like nope we're making a flask of tea we're getting on our gore-tex and we're getting out in the forest and we're having a great time so, amazing yeah <laughs> amazing well we must wrap i'm so grateful for your time and I feel honored that I get to riff with you on a podcast, but more than ever, I am really so grateful that you choose to wake up at 5 a.m. to bake bread. And I mean, we're under masks and we're bundled up, but under masks and bundled up, it makes every trip to the bakery super, super special. So thank you for creating a new community hub for us in Whistler. And I know I have friends that are listening to this in Germany who love Whistler. And it's like when you're back and when you can oh, travel, yeah. you want to leave Germany and come to. <laughs> bread in Creekside. Yeah, we have some pretty good uh, rye sourdough. They yeah, love the rye them. sourdough. Just for them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so, so Thank much. You. See Thank you soon. You. It's been awesome.